And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Big John could not get his big butt on the American Airlines flight. That flight was canceled, and they gave him some obscure reason why saying that it was a government issue and that i basically just said that you are on the no-fly list that's exactly what happened john you are on the no-fly list for american airlines you are no longer american is what they are saying so it was really came down to you are stuck in dublin ireland um it will be just josh thompson and podcast dave today so if that is not something that interests you guys well then just hit the subscribe button and keep liking, and hopefully you guys enjoy all the trash we're going to talk today. We've got a lot of stuff going on today, man. Um, There's the Nate Diaz and DC uh, drama and saga that is continuing to go on, and uh, there were some fights. We had to talk about the Bellator in Dublin. I was not there, so that's why I, I am home safely, and Big John is still right now in Dublin. I believe that he is trying to get on his flight as we speak to get back home by like nine ten o'clock tonight and the fights were on friday he is trying to get home on sunday by the way both of us leave to long beach california which i only live a uh, skipping a jump away and him he's got to travel all the way across tomorrow so <laughs> he is going to be jumping right back on a plane back into uh, California, which I know that he doesn't like to travel back and forth that much that fast. So this is going to be a fun, uh, show where I'm going to talk all mad stuff about everybody and we're going to just have some fun with it. Podcast Dave, we're going to hear your voice a little bit more today. Luckily, uh, luckily. for me, you're going to help. Yeah. Luckily for everyone else, they get to hear you and not just me. So look, let's, uh, let's jump right into the, into the Bellator card. And I'm going to be as frank as possible on some of these. There were some uh, some crazy things that happened on it. But the overall card was, I don't know. Dave, what would you call it? Um, A night of fights. A night of fights. Was, well, it'd be hard to call it a night of fights when they all happen at 10 a.m. So <laughs> <laughs> they, st- they started at t- 10 or 11 a.m. on Friday. This show is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag, if you use our promo code Wayne in, they'll give you a little extra spending cash with your first initial deposit. And with mybookie.ag, you only have to bet your winnings one time. You bet your winnings one time, you can pull whatever you have out after you bet your winnings one time at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne in. So, um, look, let's really get down to the nitty gritty. Let's start with, actually, I want to start with the very first prelim of the night because that had one of the most crazy submissions I've ever seen with Dante Skiro getting submitted in a very strange way by Moore, which something that really kind of just threw me off was, um, or not, sorry, not Moore, but, uh, Luca, I don't know how you say his last name, Pokik. So he just, it was a very weird type fight. Dante Skura was fantastic in terms of he kept he kept getting taken down, which actually surprised me because Logan Storley had a hard time when they fought getting him down. And Logan and Dante Skura took that fight on short notice against Lo, Logan Storley. And he also had a very hard time controlling the top position in the ability to do damage. And so I expected Dante Skura to really Skura to really run away with this fight. 
And that wasn't the case. He was having some success on the feet. He was, I had him definitely dominating the fight and winning the fight. He was getting taken down, but in all of the scrambles, in all the mix, Skiro was normally ending up on top. They got into an exchange where Skiro was on top, got into like the side control position. And, um, and, uh, Poklik was basically just got into like a head and arm position and they rolled through. And when he rolled through, he was able to catch him in almost like an arm, like in a side choke position. It was a very random, type submission not something you normally see and the what i like to uh, what i want to compare it to was it was almost as if it was like a head and arm kind of like a schoolyard head and arm uh headlock from the psycho side control position and had him in that head and arm position and we've seen it quite a few times from the from the top position where guys will kind of lean back and we were talking john and i were talking about it probably about a week or two ago where like people like um Ronda Rousey can hit it. I've had some friends in college wrestling that were fighting, ended up being fighters. They were able to hit it. This kid named, uh, Ray Roth, he was able to hit it a couple times, um, in some fights. It's, it's more of that head and arm, um, type position that judo players use. I remember who was the, Dave, who was the judo guy that I said that trained with us at, at, AKA, at AKA, um, a while back? He used to train, um, Really good, really good. He was on the Ultimate Fighter with uh, with Josh Koscheck. I can't remember Svlak. Sf- uh, gosh, I can't remember who he had looked up a long time. He was on the Ultimate Fighter with with Josh Koscheck, and he used to hit that position as well. They get into that head and arm position and kind of squeeze. Well, in this fight, um, Skiro got stuck in a position where he was trying to roll through, and he got sat to his butt as he was trying to roll through, and his head and arm was stuck. You guys should check this submission out. It's kind of funky, kind of weird. It was on, it's on the uh, Bellator Instagram page. Kind of a crazy little roll through in submission. I thought it was pretty nice. And uh, and Luca came through. Luca, I don't know how you say his last name. I think it was like Potlick or something like that. And can you make it a little bit bigger, Dave? I'm having a hard time seeing it. It really came down to he was there. You go, Poklick. There you go. It was um. It was one of those type of things that you kind of get caught, you get caught in, in a transition and a roll and you think you're going to be able to sit through. He was able to get that head and arm position, kind of grab on the inside of his thigh. And Dante got stuck in that seated position in a very awkward position. And all of a sudden, I think he had been out for probably a good, I don't know, I'd say four, maybe even five seconds before... um before Brian Minor even realized that he was out because you could see that he was still kind of there. And then all of a sudden, um, Luca was able to actually pull his whole body out. And when he started pulling his whole body out, I think Minor really caught on. Uh, Brian Minor caught on that he would have been out. And so he touched his hand and raised his hand and it just dropped and he was out cold. So definitely upset in that opening fight. Good fight though by Luca. Had him doing some well, some good stuff with the takedowns and was able to catch the submission. But Dante Skiro having to fight from the having having basically losing to to Logan Storley coming back and getting a win, but wasn't a very impressive win in his second fight after having such a having such a good fight against Logan Storley, who's now the interim champ, and then turning back around and then having this type of upset, not not good for him. But uh, there's a lot of potential with Skiro, good looking kid, fights well, just got caught, man, got caught in a transition that I think he was expecting to get out of. And uh, didn't work. Now I'm not going to run through all of these fights because some of these fights had some good, um, had some good stuff. But you know, overall, it was they were just you know 
okay fights, I think, in this in this card. Um, what's it called? Adoju or whatever. He fought a great fight. Very dominant performance. Came out of some exchanges. Was touching him. Uh, out of one of the exchanges, came back into the center of the cage. Circled back around through a beautiful head kick with a nice finish. Nicely done by him over Jordan Barton. And then you got into, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, I'm just going to call him Kenny Makonohona. Dave, pronounce that name for me, buddy. How do you say that? Makona, Makonoana, Makonoana. Makonoana, Makonoana. That's how I would say it. Yeah, he he was uh, he was looking good up until even the guillotine. So he he was having a good performance over Alex Bodnar, and um, he looked good. Just period. He'll be look good. What you got? What you got, Dave? Oh, oh, Dave's having communications. Ah, water. So um. <clears throat> Look, it was it was one of those fights that um Kenny look he looked good. Mokohona, Mokonoana. <laughs> I can't say it. So say it. Say it for me. Come on. Show me that Scottish education, buddy. Moko Mokonoana. Mokonoana? It yeah. sounds like uh what, what's the what's the what's that kid's cartoon? Moana. Moana. <laughs> it sounds like a, a longer version of Moana. Um, good stuff, though. I mean, like, <clears throat> he was able to catch uh, Alex Bodnar coming in on the guillotine. Uh, soon as Bodnar shot in on the deep uh, double leg against the fence, grab, wrapped that guillotine, rolled through, and it was nicely done. You know, the, the fight that really shocked me the most, when I sat up on this um, on this show the other day in the midweek show, and I said, look, the Kane Musa and Georgia Karahanya fight, I expected it to be a good fight. But I was going to give the edge to Georgie because I felt like Kane Musa could needed to win that fight in the exchanges on the feet. And because he has a style which he throws and then he kind of closes the distance, pushes people to the fence and tries to control them there. And in that, I thought that maybe in that positioning that Georgie was going to be able to catch him in like an arm in guillotine. Was he able to, going to be able to get a takedown and get on top? Being on top would have been the way for Georgie Karahayan to win that fight. And so I would have given Georgie the nod and and I sat up here and I gave Georgie the nod. I thought Georgie was going to have too many tools, too many weapons, um, and be able to get this thing done. And so when it came down to the fight, gosh, I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought Kane Usoff fought a very good fight. The speed was definitely a factor. I've never really seen Georgie get dropped in the way that he got dropped. He got sat right to his body, his, his butt. His body went stiff on the way down. He was able to, to recover and survive the round. But it was one of those fights where I had Kane winning the, the first round slightly. It wasn't a big jump, you know, in terms of Kane Musa dominating the first round. But I had him slightly winning the first. Then I had Georgie winning. Uh, I had uh, Kane Musa definitely winning the second because he dropped him. And then in the third, Georgie was just tired. I think he was tired from the big shots that he was taking. And Kane, just looked, Kane Musa looked good. He looked good. It was a great performance by him. Nice job by Kane Musa getting the win. And uh, on to the next one, man. He was one of those guys that when he fought in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, I think it was Phoenix, he took a nasty shot and uh, had a had that Marvin Eastman-type cut across his forehead and just still wanted to fight, but the doctor stopped it. But he he's a dog. He's a tough fighter. He's got a style, though, that will sometimes want leave you wanting more in terms of he, he has the potential to do more, but doesn't fight to his potential all the time. And in this fight, I thought he, um, he, he showed a lot of his tools, a lot of his weapons. 
He uh, had some good takedowns. He dominated some wrestling positions over Georgie, which surprised me, to be honest. And he, he was landing a cleaner, harder shot throughout that fight and was able to sit Georgie down in the second round. It was a, it was a good fight. Um, Brett Johns. Brett Johns, look, there was a lot of hype when he came over. He ended up losing to uh, Danny Sabatello. Where Danny took the fight on short notice, Danny Sabatello out-wrestled him, dominated him. And if Brett John's going to continue to fight this way, he's going to have to make some tweaks because when he gets to those to that upper group of fighters, like a Danny Sabatello who's now showing that he's an upper an upper echelon fighter, guys like Rafian Stotts, guys like Magomed Magomedov, you're going to get into that mix. Well, guess what? If you're in that mix... You're going to have to use more than just what you used on Friday. You're going to have to use more of your stand-up. You're going to have to threaten more of your takedowns. You're going to have to do a lot more than what you did in your performance. Don't get me wrong. You had a very dominant, dominant performance. But in that performance, you've got to be able to get rid of guys like Jordan Winsky. Jordan, I'm going to Winsky wasn't going to win anything laying on his back the way he was. And I like Jordan Winsky. He's a tough fighter. He's good. He obviously is good where he didn't get finished. But Brett Johns, he's gonna have to do more to bring to win this crowd over. Sure, he had he had great positioning, great takedowns, very dominant from top position. He did a lot of good things. But in these type fights, you've got to show and set yourself apart that you're the you're a more dominant fighter by getting finishes. And I didn't see anything in that fight that led me to believe that you that Brett Johns is gonna have success against guys like Danny Sabatello in a rematch. Rafian Stotts, who is a phenomenal wrestler, uh, Magomed Magomedov, guys like him, those those type guys, you're going to have to show that you can dominate those positions in that fight and in the Bantamweight division. You got a tough task. The Bantamweight division right now is, by hands down, the best division in the sport. And John and I have been saying this for the longest time. You look at the UFC, the UFC's Bantamweight division is freaking stacked. Bellator's Bantamweight division is stacked. Now, this obviously one, one's got, you know, some great fighters in the lighter weight classes with a lot of the ties and a lot of the, uh, in hitting that Asian market. They've got a plethora of fantastic, fantastic martial artists over there. So that was one of those, um, I think that was one of those fights that I expected more out of Brett Johns, uh, in his performance. He showed that he could be dominant. Now I just want to see him go out there and get some, get some, uh, finishes. Brian Moore. <clears throat> He looked good, and I had a long conversation with, and I'm not going to take all the credit here, <clears throat> but I had a long conversation with Brian Moore in his last fight. Would you say, Dave? No, I you, laughed. You laughed, guy. I want to. I was gonna. I, I want to take some credit for this, but Brian Moore, after his last performance, pull up who his last fight was <clears throat> with Brian Moore. He's a great boxer. He's got good not yet. So you have uh Jordan Lugo, Nikita, uh Mikhailov. Both of them, you know, Lugo is fast, explosive, sticks and moves on the outside. You've got Nikita Mikhailov, who's who's good on the feet, a good wrestler, he's someone who's very well rounded. In that fight, in both those fights, Brian Moore just basically got out wrestled. He got out he ended up becoming a one, they made him a one-dimensional fighter. Brian Moore is not a one-dimensional fighter. Brian Moore is fantastic with his kicks. And when he started, when he came out in this fight against De Silva, against Lima De Silva, he ended up starting off as a one-dimensional fighter. But as the fight went on, 
He started utilizing those kicks. I would only say like two and a half, three minutes into the first round. He started utilizing the kick, and that changed the way that De Silva fought him. De Silva started sticking on the outside. De Silva couldn't, couldn't figure out what was going on, and all of that was because of the kicks. And the last time I, I, I talked to him over his, his fight with Lugo, he got away from the kicks. He just started chasing with the boxing. And Lugo was the faster fighter. Lugo was able to chase and get the, 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 um, the takedowns, was able to stick and move, stay on the outside, was able to use his speed and not be really, not really be, uh, put in any positions that were in any danger. So when I'm looking at that fight against the Silva, as he started use a lot, utilizing those kicks, he was able to start touching him. He was able to start making, um, the Silva miss. He was able to make the Silva start chasing from the distance. He had a couple nice push kicks up the middle of the face. He had some nice combinations, and the inside leg kick was doing some work. The outside calf kick was doing work. Every time the Silva would change stance, he did a lot of great things, and it all started because he wasn't just utilizing his boxing. You see this all the time. Fighters will sometimes fall in love with just their hands. They fall in love with their power, and Brian Moore's got a fantastic jab, and off that jab, He's got to start utilizing those kicks on the inside, the outside, the up the middle. That is what changed that fight, and that was a fantastic performance by Brian Moore. Now he's got to grow on that and start continuing to build up his resume to get back into that title talk or get back into those conversations of the top five, top six, top ten fighters. So if he can do that, I think he's got a good chance of making a run back, but he's got to be a more well-rounded fighter if he wants to make that run. He can't get stuck in just becoming a boxer. Now, for me, one of the upsets, along with uh, the Dante Skiro fight, uh, what was his name? Uh, Poklik, with him, that, that was an upset for me. And I think the other upset in this fight was Carl Moore versus Carl Albrechtson. Carl Albrechtson was, was winning this fight, was dominating this fight, and... I was just, it was a come behind victory for Carl Moore. Carl Rexon was able to drop him early in the fight. Carl Moore was able to weather the storm. Carl, and then Al Brexton came back and was basically got taken down. And every time, which shocked me because Carl, Carl Brexton's a tough fighter. He's had some good fights with Phil Davis. He had some good fights with, um, uh, Vadim Nemkov. He's had some good fights. As he's coming, he's fought some tough competition. He's got some wins over some tough competition. He's got some losses. But when I look at Carl Moore, Carl Moore was losing that fight all the way through. He was able to get the, t- the takedowns. And Carl Brexton was able to get some reversals, able to get some submission attempts, was able to do a lot of work. But out of this whole thing, which is so weird to me, he was able to get the takedown. When he got the takedown, Carl gave up his back. And in that transition... He was able to get to that neck and it was, it was across. It was that, that Conor McGregor, uh, Khabib type submission where he got across the jawline, was able to get a squeeze. And you could tell that Carl Moore was a strong fighter because on those takedowns that he was able to get against Carl, he just lift up. He was just able to lift them up, sweep them out. Every time he locked his hands, he made it look easy on getting the takedowns. And Carl Brexton, I don't know if he just got tired because he's a dog. He's somebody that is able to fight through positions. He's someone that kind of, he wears on you. He pushes the pace. He makes you fight a dirty and grimy fight. It makes you tired. But it didn't seem like he was the one with the better conditioning in this fight. And as Carl Moore kept pushing on him and kept getting out of things and kept weathering the storm, Carl Brexton got tired and gave up position. 
And Carl Moore just used the strength, got across the jawline, and was able to get the submission. More of that neck crank type submission. Uh, Kieran Clark still undefeated. Good submission artist. He's, he's one of those guys that he is, he is, he will continue to grind on you and work. I've seen him go through some fights where he just was getting outclassed in all aspects of the fight on the feet, on the ground, was losing, but he is someone that will never give up. Young, talented fighter. I, I, I believe he's like 22, 24, 25, somewhere in there. He's, he's young, still young, still growing. I believe this is his fight. He's what? No, it's not 20. Carl. No, Kieran Clark. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There you go, buddy. Kieran Clark is a, he's a young kid. It doesn't even have his age on there. Yeah, he's probably it's probably illegal for him to be fighting. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he's uh he's a young kid, but a good fighter, very good on the ground. And uh he's one of those kids that will just keep grinding away on you and eventually work to a submission. And he's a dog, man. He's a dog. I love watching him fight. He's got to start opening up on the feet a little bit more. He's got to start becoming a true mixed martial artist. Show his age there. No. Dang, man. I want to say he's like 20 years old or 21. He's, he's a young kid. But a very talented young kid. Love watching him fight. He's been in some dog fights. But he's got to start working on his, his grappling. Not his grappling, but his stand-up. And a little bit better on the wrestling, you know, to make it a little bit easier for him to start getting these fights to the ground. But other than that, he he's good. He's good all the way around. I love that he never stops trying to win. He's always trying to finish the fight. He's always trying to get to that submission that will finish the fight. He good has fight 27 on his Instagram. Oh, really? 27? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, he's a little older than I thought. So, uh, but he's still young in his, in his, in his MMA career. Seven, uh, six and oh is what he is. Now, the other fight that really shocked me. Was the Pedro Cavallo and uh, Maz Brunel fight. That fight shocked me. Pedro is a grimy, dirty fighter, but so is Maz Brunel. And I would have given this fight on the, on the ground to Mads, but there were, you could just tell that Mads had got tired trying to get Pedro out of there, chasing submissions, working, getting in his, into his face and trying to get after him. And Pedro just had the better conditioning. And the crowd behind him and just pushed and was driving Mads a little bit backwards and was able to finally get in that top position in that third round and dominated the third round. Now, there was a one of the judges, I want to say one or two of the judges had it. 30-27 for Pedro, I think is what it was. I, I, I didn't I didn't see that. I think it was two judges, or unless I'm thinking of the Liam McCourt fight, but I do know that one of the judges had it 30-27 for Pedro. I didn't have it 30-27 for Pedro. <clears throat> I had it 29-28, but overall it was a tough fight. It was a grimy fight for both fighters. Um, I enjoyed the fight because it was a little bit of back and forth, but Pedro started to run away with that fight somewhere halfway through or towards the end of that second round. And the third round was a dominant third round for Pedro. And so that fight kind of shocked me as well. When I looked at when I go back and I look at this card, John and I sat up here and and we were in agreement. We agreed that we thought that Maz was going to be able to come out on top. <clears throat> he was going to be able to stuff the takedowns of Pedro if he needed to. Pedro needed to be on top if he was going to win this fight. He couldn't afford to be on bottom. I thought that Mads was going to have the better boxing. He was going to be able to mix it up a little bit better. Pedro's legs kicks, Pedro's uh, stand-up and pressure really pushed Mads backwards. And Pedro went from being ranked number two and fighting Patricky or being ranked number two or three, fighting Patricio in the finals or in the, in the semifinals, sorry, of the uh, Featherweight World Grand Prix. 
Then he plummeted back down after a couple losses. And then now he's made his way right back up. Great performances his last two fights. Pull up Pedro Cavallo. He pulled. He ended up fighting Daniel Weishel and getting a win, which he needed. And then he ended up fighting Mads Brunel and getting a win, which he needed. And uh, he's coming off that loss to Piotr. But he, um, but he ended up having that big win over Dale Weichel. And then coming off the loss to Piotr. I don't even want to pronounce this. I'm going to murder that last name. And then having it. Go ahead. Pronounce that last name for me, Dave. Oh, no way. No way, huh? Nightzielski. How do you say it? Nightzielski. Yeah. I think that's Oh, that's a good one. So he ended up coming off of that loss. But his... His resurgence came back after he came off the two losses, one to Patricio and then another one to J.J. Wilson. Two uh, two knockout finishes he, he lost. Now he came back and he, he had a win over Dale Weichel. Then he had a loss to Piotr, and now another win over Mads Brunel. So he's in that mix now after that win over Mads. Mads was ranked number two or three, and in that win... And it was a pretty, I think he started in after that second round or in that middle of that second round, he started kind of running away with it. Those leg kicks he was landing and he started really weathering on Mads Brunel. Did a great job pushing the pace and just dominating that third round. And there was, Mads Brunel had no answer because he was so tired from trying to get up off of that mat. There was nothing. There was nothing there for Mads Brunel in that third round. And a good win by uh, Pedro Cavallo. Next fight. <clears throat> That fight shocked me. I'm going to be honest. That fight really shocked me. Um, Leah McCourt, she had a good first round. But I would say it was a little, for me, I don't know if Leah won the fight. I don't want to say it was a robbery. I'm not going to get into that. But I, I had it. It was a very close fight. It really depends on how you judge the fight, on how it went. Leah McCourt definitely won the first round. Uh, Dana Silva, I had her start to kind of come back in the second. So it really came down to how you did the second round. And then you had in the third round, I mean, I would have probably went with Dana Silva as well. But overall, it was a good fight, tough fight. What I did like, though, what I saw is that in Big John and uh, Dave Farah were talking about how Leah McCord looked a lot better on the feet. She looked a lot more relaxed. She looked a lot more composed. And she looked like she started to really look better on the feet and relax. She wasn't exhausted like she we had seen before in the past. After that first round of all the bouncing around, all the sticking and moving, every time she got hit in the other fights, she started to wither and kind of step, take a step backwards and look like she started to get exhausted. Well, not in this fight. She looked, still looked good. She still looked fresh. She still looked composed on the feet in the second round. She looked phenomenal, I think, on the feet. I was surprised she wasn't able to get, the, you know, the big hip tosses and the big throws to really get to that top position. But I thought overall she had a good performance. I don't know if she, it was it was a close fight, and so I gave I probably gave it to Diana Silva in that in that fight. But I'm not mad that they gave it to Leah McCord either. So overall, good fight though for both of them. Uh, Diana Silva I thought had the the better stand up. As the fight went on, and uh, good stuff though. the The fight that didn't shock me at all was Yoel Romero um, on the retirement fight of Melvin Manoff, and I think this fight showed that it was time for Melvin Manoff to retire. It's a sad day to see him go. I'm glad that they were able to give him the mic and let him talk and and say goodbye. 28 years of fighting, insane. That's nuts. It's crazy. 
Um, he fought the who's who in kickboxing. He's got a knockout win over uh, guys like Mark Hunt. He's got some phenomenal wins, you know, in the cage as well. Not just a K1 kickboxer, uh, but also a, he was a fantastic MMA fighter. He did everything he needed to do in this sport. <clears throat> Not just this sport, but in, in kickboxing as well. You knew that when you walked in to fight him, that he was dangerous. He was going to be dangerous all around on the feet, you know, and he was dangerous on top. Nasty ground and pound. I just, it was just time, you know. I mean, there was times, and Father Time catches us all. It was a pleasure watching him fight. Um, sad to see him go, but and like he said, like we've always said, and it's pretty well known and well documented that Father Time's undefeated, and you're always going to lose to him. Um, it was just time to go, and uh, I'm going to miss watching him fight. Coker had a nice uh, uh, tweet out to him saying, you know, he's one of his favorite fighters to ever watch. I remember watching him. I want to say in 98, maybe 99, I went out to Vegas to watch him fight in K1. And uh, he was just nasty, man. If you look back at his fight with Robbie Lawler, how he just tore Robbie Lawler's legs up. But then Robbie was able to catch him out of an exchange with an like a, like a loopy left or whatever, caught him right on the chin and put him to sleep. But it was one of those fights where, man, I... I think everyone in the crowd was cringing every time Lawler was getting kicked. You know, Robbie's legs were just getting tore up. And it was just nasty. And, uh, you know, he's had some other fantastic fights as well where he's just put it on people and just finished them. And um, he was just one of those guys. Just came out, just fought, fought carelessly, but fought with just nasty technique and aggression. And it was just fun to watch him fight. You knew someone was either getting knocked out, whether it was him or his opponent. You know, um, but he was nasty. It was fun to watch him fight. Well, just had a dominant performance, got the takedowns, got to the top position, was able to get the finish. Just some big stuff. So, uh, good by him and, uh, good fight for Yoel. Yoel's talking about going down to 185. That does interest me. There is, uh, Johnny Eblins there, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. He's got, you know, Yoel's got two wins in the Bellator cage and one loss. You know, he lost to Phil Davis. And he's got the two wins in the 205-pound division. Now, let's not take him down to 185 and start talking about him fighting Johnny Eblen for the title. Let's, let's see if he can get some wins there at 185. Who in the 185-pound division? Can you pull that up for me there, Dave? For Bellator in the 185-pound division. Got it going now. Let's see middleweight right here. In that middleweight division, you know, I've said it. Um, I, first I want to see Anatoly Tokov. I want to see him fight next for the title. He's got he's thirty one and two, and because of, he's out of that Russian area, he's not really. They're not. I don't know what the deal is and why we haven't had him fight for the title yet. He should have fought Gegard Mousasi. Never fought Gegard. <clears throat> he should be up there fighting. He, he just hasn't, I don't understand, I don't get that portion of what is going on in terms of matchmaking and what's going on with his visa or what, I, don't, I have no clue. So the fact that he hasn't fought yet for the title is is just crazy. Now, if you want to have Tokov first, Yoel Romero, I'm down to watch that fight. I'm down to have that fight to see who fights Johnny Eblen. If you want to have Gegard Mousasi fight Yoel Romero, I'm down to watch that fight as well. These are all fights that I'm interested in watching. Fabian Edwards is looking a lot better. <clears throat> They've got something going on in that gym right now because Leon Edwards is his brother. Him winning the title, the way that he won the title, there's that that starts to carry over into your gym. 
And that performance that Leon had against Kamar Usman, it wasn't the best performance that I've seen out of him. But getting that win, winning that title, that's going to resonate through their gym. And you're going to see a lot of their fighters start to really kind of step up their game, knowing that it's possible and realizing that whatever they're doing in their gym is going to work. <clears throat> and Fabian's last performance against Lyoto Machida was a very, very dominant performance. Very good fight. And um, look for him to really try to um, make some some big jumps as well. So he's he's up in one. He he went up one as well in this middleweight division. If Yoel Romero jumps into there, have him fight someone like a Tokov, maybe a John Salter, maybe a Fabian Edwards, Gegard Mousasi. You know, <clears throat> maybe get him up into that mix. Let's watch him fight into that mix. You've got Dalton Rasa, who's been looking phenomenal, young in his career at seven and zero. Uh, Aaron Jeffrey is also a phenomenal fighter. You've got these fighters that are in there that would make, you know, would make for some perfect sense at, at middleweight. I'd like to see that all happen. So that's, uh, that, that'd be some fun fights up in there. So let's see where he mixes in, but I don't want, I don't want to see him come right in and get a title shot in the 185 pound division, knowing that he's, knowing that he, uh, is coming in off of that loss to Phil Davis and then having two wins in the 205 pound division. Throw him down there. Let's see how he does against Gegard. That's a fight that I'd like to see fight. You know, two two older fighters, two phenomenal fighters, and uh, Gegard being a dominant you know champion for a while there until he's lost to Johnny Eblen. Have him fight Gegard. Have him fight Tokov, John Salter, Fabian Edwards. Let's go. Let's throw him into that mix. So that'd be fun. Uh, let's get into the Benson Henderson fight and Peter Cooley fight. Ben did some good stuff, but I think as this fight happened after that that growing shot. I think Peter Cooley wasn't the same fighter. He came out aggressive, came out, started, you know, touching Benson with some good shots. Then uh, he hit him with the groin shot. And Benson, Benson Henderson hit Peter Cooley with the groin shot. And Peter Cooley wasn't the same fighter. Now, I'm not saying it was because of the growing shot. I'm saying that it just, it slowed the momentum down. The energy will be taken out of what was going on at the moment. And that led into the rest of the rounds. Benson was able to start controlling and dictating the pace of the fight from the leg kicks to the shots on the feet with the hands, the pressure, all the things, the takedowns, all those things. Benson Henderson showed that he's a true mixed martial artist and dominated this fight from top to bottom. He really started to run away with it all. And Peter Cooley had no answer. He had no answer whatsoever on the feet. On the ground, there was nothing. And I expected a little bit more out of Peter. I thought Peter was going to be able to use the kicks more, utilize his reach and his range, more of the output. To wait, The way to beat Benson Henderson is to have more output than him because he's not. he doesn't have a lot of output. So you need to have more output than him. You need to fight him at range. You need to keep him on the, on the end of your punches. You need to keep him at the end of your kicks. You need to stick and move, stick and move. Stay on the outside. Don't let him get set. Don't let him figure out your timing. You've got to be a smart fighter. And Peter generally will come out and just really push on the action, push on the pace, touch you from the outside. And he didn't do that in this fight. He let Benson Henderson dictate the pace of the fight. And as he let Benson Henderson dictate the pace of the fight, Benson started to run away with it. And Benson does what Benson does, man. He finds ways to, to calculate how he can beat you as the fight is going on. He just, oh, look, you're not doing this. Okay, so I'm going to do this. Oh, look, you're not doing this. I'm going to go ahead and start implementing my game plan on this side. He did a lot of great things. And uh, 
what he what he did was just control the pace of the fight, controlled every aspect of the fight, and he ran away with the fight as the fight started going on, it, and the fight became not close. And Peter, he Peter had the crowd behind him, and I was sitting there watching the fight with some friends as as I was watching, it, and they realized like, man, is that the crowd? And I said, yeah, the crowd is insane. Just the singing from the locker room all the way down was phenomenal. But you need more than sometimes the crowd that that other that other band, whatever you want to call it, the twelfth man in the stadium, whatever it is you want to call it, that crowd should have carried him through to to having a better performance, and he just wasn't able to get it done. And um, that sucks because Peter was just fought for the title, you know, the interim title, or sorry, for the title against uh, Patricky, didn't come out on top, and then now losing right now to Benson Henderson in this situation, that's another thing. So. I think where we're at right now is um, Benson making his resurgence. There's a lot of talk about that lightweight tournament next year. And are we going to see them get after it in the lightweight tournament? Are we going to see another? Uh, we're going to see Benson in there probably. Peter Quilly in there probably. You've got Tofik Mosayev. You've got um, uh, Alexander Shabli. You've got Usman or Magomedov. I mean, I, yeah, Usman. You've got you've got a lot of tough fighters that are up in that mix. You got Patricky obviously is the champ. There's a lot of good fighters, Sydney Outlaw. So the, I think I think you're going to see that lightweight tournament next year for some fun fights. That's going to wrap up our Bellator talk. Oh, it's going to wrap it up for us, Dave. Oh man, it is 5 a.m. on Sunday. You've got me talking about these fights. And Big okay, John's so not even let's. In the air yet, is he? What's that? And John's not even in the air yet, is he? No, I think he's out of the country still. <laughs> I think he's still. I don't even know if he's on his plane yet. I don't think he's. On, I don't even think he's on his plane yet. He doesn't land until, I think, like seven or eight o'clock tonight in the East Coast. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So and then and then the worst part. So to talk about what he what happened to him, I'll let him explain it all. But he sat at the airport for like ten or eleven hours trying to get another flight. Didn't work through. Then he had to scramble around to try and find a hotel. So um, I don't know if it was a busy weekend in in Dublin, but then he had to scramble around and try to find a hotel, and then just to get you know to just to sleep, and then turn around and get on a plane. So poor guy. Now when he lands, he's gonna have to jump on a plane, just and then fly all the way across the U.S. just to get to Long Beach for next next week. Doesn't have to like drive seventeen hours from the airport to his farm. (laughs) Seventeen hours. It's like an hour away. I was like, man. Uh, All right, well. What do you um, got for us on news? Rolling into some of this news. Derek Lewis has been booked against uh, Sergei Spivak. Is it Spivak? Um, Yeah. For November, a November about. And uh, it looks like a a main event, fight night, main event. So we'll get five rounds here. Or we'll... We, we, we where, where's, it gonna, where's it going to be at? it was five rounds or not. Um, yeah. this, I think this is just going to be um, Vegas. Let's see. Yeah, they just said uh, it's a fight night card. So I imagine Vegas because they've not... Typically they'll say, oh, we're coming to a, a city for this. You know, they'll usually pump the, the city if it's yeah. not going to be a Vegas card. Yeah. It's probably going to be a Vegas card. Interesting, interesting. I mean, Derek Lewis... The power always got to be very cautious of the power. I feel like he's losing the drive a little bit, you know, for the fight game. Um, and it's it's easy to do for him. He's been up, fought uh, DC for I think the title, 
you know, didn't work out. He's, you know, tried making a resurgence to come back, wasn't able to. Had a couple wins, <clears throat> had a couple losses. You know, he's hasn't been able to perform very well in Houston, which is where he's from. He's, um, you know, it'd be interesting. Spivak is up and coming, good fighter, good all the way around. Look for him to weather the storm and utilize every tool that he has in the toolbox to get a win over Lewis, man. But it should be a good fight. I'm going to probably lean a little bit towards Spivak based off the fact that Derek Lewis has been so up and down right now and doesn't seem like the confidence is where it was when he was making his run to the title. So I'm going to probably lean towards Spivak. <clears throat> I'm a huge Derek Lewis fan, though, by the way. Balls are hot. It's just still probably one of the greatest lines, hands down, ever in the cage. And uh, I think it's probably still is the greatest line. Outside of the one that Nadia said that, you know, I'm the motherfucking Christ. money fight. I'm the money fight. <clears throat> that's that's the greatest line. That I mean, that, that led to a lot of money. So <laughs> that's the greatest line in history. <clears throat> All right, next. All right, we have um, Scott Coker saying that he is talking to Diaz about a potential deal with Bellator. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that is that Coker's always had a good relationship with the Diaz brothers, period. The scrap pack, you know, he's promoted uh, Gilmer Lendis for a long time, promoted Jake Shields, promoted promoted Nate Diaz's, I want to say his first or second fight, whatever it was, promoted one or two of his fights in Strike Force. And he promoted Nick Diaz's, you know, and everyone else in that scrap pack and a lot of the other fighters that they had coming up as well. He has, he's from the Bay Area. I mean, like Stockton is not far from the Bay Area. We still consider it kind of the Bay Area. Same thing with Sacramento. Sacramento, we still consider it kind of be in that Northern California kind of area. Sure, it's not Silicon Valley, but Nick and Nate Diaz are part of this area. They resonate with almost everybody in the Bay Area. They, the fans around here absolutely love them. You know, the Diaz brothers, they love Nate Diaz. And Scott Coker would be foolish not to talk to him and see if there's potential of him coming to fight. <clears throat> One thing that I can say is that <clears throat> if he was to, to come, that there would obviously be something in there that says that he can fight MMA and he can fight boxing. There'd be no guidelines on where he went to fight. Now, let's remember, Jake Paul has a contract with Showtime Boxing. So that fight with Anderson Silva will be on Showtime. So that fight with Showtime, then after that fight with Jake Paul and Anderson Silva will be on Showtime. Now you've got Jake Paul who still, I believe, has one or two fights left. I think at least one more left. And you will potentially have Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul in boxing on Showtime. <clears throat> now, if they were able to do a deal with Nate Diaz to fight in Bellator on to, to coincide with his boxing on Showtime, it, it, there's it's not it's not too far fetched. You know, you fight Jake Paul, you make your money. And if you beat Jake Paul, then maybe you go on to fight Conor McGregor in that deal as well. Who knows? I don't know. But if it doesn't work out and you lose to Jake Paul, then you know you have a contract with Bellator that allows you to box whenever you want. So if the Conor McGregor fight comes up, then you can go ahead and do that as well. So it's it doesn't make it's not too far fetched for them to sign for him to sign with Bellator. Now, I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. As much as I'm like, oh, you know, it's not far-fetched. 
It's not, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Nate <clears throat> understands that contracts lock you into what you want to do. And I don't think, I think a lot of him fighting out his UFC contract was so he could fight Jake Paul. And I said that two years ago, year and a half ago, I think it was. Um, I said that a long time ago. I said, look, that fight's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to make that fight happen. That's the fight that they're looking for. And I think you're going to potentially even see uh, a Nick Diaz and a Paul brother fight. That one I'm a little bit more skeptical of because Nick's had the neck surgery and you know, he's, he, he, he's not, I don't think he's training as, as dedicated as his brother is still. Um, but Nate will have that fight with Jake Paul. It'll be on Showtime. Now, if he decides to sign with Bellator, which I don't think he's gonna, um, I think just, I think money wise just doesn't make sense. I think that they would empty out, they would have to empty out their reserves <clears throat> to fight, to, to sign that fighter. Now, Showtime and Viacom, they may, they may dip into their pocket to make sure that they come in because you've got, you, I believe you still have people like Cyborg who still are on the roster. I think she's fought out her contract. I think she's in negotiations right now to resign. Um, you've got, you've got the very last fight for Ford, Fedor Emelianenko, who is a big, who takes up a lot of the money. Now, just those two fighters in Chris Cyborg and Fedor, thus those two fighters take up a Big chunk of money, a ton of chunk of money in terms of guaranteed money. Now, if they were to work Nate in and one of those two, I mean, Fedor's going to retire after his next fight if that fight happens. And we've been talking about it now for over a year. If that fight happens, <clears throat> if it doesn't happen, then you can slide Nate into what he's making, which is a lot of damn money. And it would make sense. Then you have some good fights. You've got some good fights there for, for Nate to fight. Now, would Nate fight at 170? Probably. I don't think he ever wants to make 55 again. So you have Nate, you have Nate at 170, but at 170, there's a lot of fighters there that I don't know, man. I don't know. Guys that beat Nate Diaz are wrestlers. Yaroslav Amosov is not a wrestler, but he can wrestle as we saw when he fought Logan Storley. Logan Storley can can freaking wrestle six-time state champ out of uh out of south dakota and a four-time all-american out of the university of minnesota he's the interim champ the interim champ so when you and you got michael venom page sure you want to have that fight they're both going to be on the feet jason jackson is a big 170 pounder and he's got some power on the feet i, I don't think that nate wants to be in that into that conversation of having to fight the best guys anymore he's at the age i think where he wants the money fights I don't know. I don't know who you would fight in the money fight when you bring him over if you're going to sign him. So it's one of those. It's a tough fight. Who knows? I think there's tough fights in there for him. I don't know who he would fight, though. So I, I don't know if it'd be worth the money to bring him over. That's just me. He's a needle mover. There's no doubt about that. We've seen that. Uh, but watching him fight Yaroslav Amazov would be fun. But it's not stylistically a match that Nate normally wins. And the same thing with Logan Storley. Like Logan Storley could grind him out, you know, in a, in a wrestling position. Michael Venom Page on the feet is faster than him. But, I mean, it is on the feet. Anything can happen. Jason Jackson can wrestle, as we saw. He can take people down. He was able to just take Douglas Newman down at will. And on the feet, uh, you know, he's got power. So, Korshkov got power and can wrestle. Yamauchi, good submissions, good on the feet, but he can wrestle. So 
I mean, he won't fight probably naming Gracie because of, you know, the, the training with, with the other Gracies and all the other family members that are all there. So, you know, there's some guys in there. Kyle Crutchmere can wrestle and he doesn't want to fight guys like, you know, like Sabahumasi, Crutchmere, Roman Fraldo. He doesn't want to fight those guys. He wants to find name value. So maybe I don't really just, see him. Maybe he just comes in and says, Scott, I will only come to Bellator if I can get a chance to smash that little jerk, Josh Thompson. Nah. <laughs> nah. Josh is not coming out of retirement. Just want to let everyone know that. I'm, that's not even an option. Look, I got I got too much love for, for Nate. He's... um. He's he's Nate Diaz, man. I like the kid. I like him a lot. So I just want the best for him. We'll see. If Kogan get it done, that'd be fantastic. I just I don't know where they would go with him. I know if they're talking about the lightweight Grand Prix for next year, but it doesn't make sense for Nate to cut down to to, to fifty five to enter a tournament. I know that there's they're giving out a million dollars every time at the end of it, plus whatever they, they paid the the fighters. Um you know, they were offering, I know when Chandler left to go to the UFC, they were offering Chandler up to almost eight to nine hundred thousand dollars a fight on top of that and then adding him into the into the million dollar tournament. So and there would have been three fights to get to the final. So he would have made three million dollars fighting top guys and then, you know, potential of winning a million dollars, you know, up in that mix. I don't know. I know I know that Fedor's making, you know, above the million mark, you know, and uh and who else? And then Chris Cyborg making above the million mark. So you have those fighters that are making that, that money and that's all guaranteed money. It's not, it's not, Oh, if you win, you make 500,000, you know? So it's, it, there's, there's a conversation to be had. I just, I, I don't, I don't know where you, when you bring him in, who he would fight that he, it's not so much. Sure. There's plenty of guys for him to fight. Who would he want to fight? That's the thing. When you bring him in, who would he want to fight? It really isn't. Exactly. And and as much as I... Because at 26-0 with Yaroslav Amosov, that's the only fight I want to see him fight. Yeah, that's but it. Nate Diaz fans aren't thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not... That's what I'm saying. I, I don't I don't see anybody in that fight in, in these that... Outside of Yaroslav Amosov, who just co- who's just coming back from Ukraine, there I don't know. Uh, they, there's there's a story there, coming back from defending his country, undefeated, twenty six and zero, the champ. Da 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 da. There's a storyline that could be made there for him and, and Nate, but I don't think it's a fight that Nate's like. I don't give a shit. Nate's like, I'm not fighting that guy. You could and, you could say that if if Usman beats Patrickie, there's there's potential a little intrigue there because of the because could be because uh, Nate Nate you know. Oh, Called it Khabib about. I absolutely agree that there is an Usman Nurmagomedov component there, but Dave, he doesn't want to make fifty five again. He doesn't want to make that weight, and and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. He's not in that that stage of his career. What is he? Thirty eight, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty seven. I think he just turned thirty eight. I don't think that he, I don't think he has interest to drop down to one to to one fifty five anymore. That's thirty seven. Oh, he's 37? He's 38 next year. No, he's 38 next year. Okay, so he's 37 years old. I don't think he has that interest. And to fight someone like uh, Usman or Magomedov, I'd love to see that fight. You know? Uh, If you want to fight, I mean, I I wouldn't mind watching him fight Benson again. You know, they're both older. They've fought before. 
if he wants to if he wants to try to get one back, I mean that's that's a fight to make. I, I don't I don't see it right now. I'm just being honest. You know, um the, the, there is yep. like you said, there is a little bit of a Usman thing there, Usman or Magomedov, because of the, the altercation with Khabib, how they've had that issue with Khabib and they've had, you know, some conflicts and some some trash talking back and forth. But um I, I don't see it. I don't I don't know how you would pay him or I don't know what fights would motivate him to really do it. I mean, even at the UFC, he was you were you were struggling to find fights that motivated him. He's like, ah, I'll give take me the, give me this guy." They're like, "Nah, give me this guy." Finally, he was like, "Fuck it, I'll take Chamayev, man. Let's go, man. I'll I'll take anybody to fucking get me a fight to get me out of my last fight." That's it. It's weird that they wouldn't have tried to capitalize like um in the UFC. I mean, I know they wanted to feed him to Hamza, but like to do like a Masvidal fight, for example, right, and just try and make a ton of money just to, and just to get rid of him. That like he's clearly wanted to get rid of him, but they wanted to use him on the way out. Yeah, and, uh, to not like Masvidal, you know, just sitting there on the sidelines like that's BMF to get you know get a decisive win mm-hmm. like that. There was a there's a lot of like s- selling yeah. behind that. I'm really surprised that they didn't yeah. try and capitalize on something like that instead. But you know the fight that there's two fights that really shocked me that they didn't try to make. With how high they are on Michael Chandler, I'm surprised they didn't try to make that fight. That shocked me. Mm-hmm. You know, Chandler would have fought. Ch- I know Chandler. Chandler would have taken that fight at 165. He'd have been like, I don't care. I'll fight him at 170. He's like, to fight Nate Diaz, he would have done it. And I think Dustin, the same thing. Dustin, remember for a moment, Dustin's like, I'm not going back down to 55. Forget it. I'm going to go to 70. Yep. He would have fought Nate Diaz as well. Those two guys, those two fights, now they're fighting each other. I get it. But I think... I'm surprised because they, they've got Chandler locked down for several fights. I'm surprised they didn't try to capitalize on that, have Chandler fight him. I'm surprised. In a three-round fight, Chandler's a hard fight for anyone in a three-round fight. And that that shocked me because I think that Chandler could have out-wrestled him. Chandler could have struck with him. Chandler could have Chandler could have probably, I wouldn't say beat him, but it would, it would, have, been, it would have been a fight that I think that Chandler would have had the edge on because of the wrestling. The pedigree in the wrestling, the the power uh, in a three round fight, not having to worry about Nate going, you know, f- not having to worry about Nate dragging him into the in the fourth and the fifth where Chandler tends to get tired. It would have made for an interesting fight, and I think because they have Chandler locked down, they know that they're they're pushing him for for that next title shot because he's he's entertaining. I think I think that would have made sense, but they didn't. They never that fight never came about, so I'm surprised. Who knows? All right, next. All right. Eddie Alvarez um, parts ways with one championship, uh, so and he commented saying that you know he's ready for whatever's next. I'm I'm sub- I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to the UFC. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Now I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to Bellator either, because him and Scott Coker never had a falling out. He had a falling out with with like the overall Viacom and the old the old regime that used to run it with Bjorn. He had a problem with them. He didn't have a problem with Scott. Scott actually is the one that brought him to the table and said, Hey, you know, like if you're uncomfortable and you're not, you know, you're not really happy with the, with what's going on here, you know, as I'm taking over, he's like, you know, we, we can go ahead and release you, you know, and let you go. And he's like, okay, look, I'm going to go. I'm going to go now while I can. And so he went. Now I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back because there is that talk of that, that, that tournament, but there's going to be killers in there, man, in that tournament. Tofik Mosayev, Alexander Shabli. And Usman Nurmagomedov, along with Sidney Outlaw and the wrestling, the grappling, 
and you've got those fights that are there. I'd love to see him and you know Benson Henderson and Eddie Alvarez fight. I'd love to see those fights happen. But and there's a chance to win a lot of money in that, and obviously they're going to pay him pretty well to come back, being the former champion. It would make sense. It really would make sense for him to come back and have a shot there that that you know that million dollars plus whatever they pay him. Now, if he goes off to the UFC, I ain't mad at that either because I'd like to see him and Michael Chandler run it back. I want to see that fight again. So there's 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 conversation to be had there. So it, th- there's there's some fun fights for him in that division as well. You know him and Gaethje. Um, you know again, him and uh, Dustin again. Um, Chandler again. I mean, there's there's a mix up in there. Connor's gone. Khabib's gone. There's fights to be had there. So, you know, we had had we had had Eddie on. We had talked to Eddie, you know, and um, when he was, we were talking about him and his activity in one, and it just it you could just tell that nothing that he said, but you could just tell that it wasn't the place that he felt. Never felt like home. I don't think it ever felt like home. I think he really tried cash to make grab. it work. Huh? Cash grab. I think, yeah, of course it was a big cash grab, but it was, um, I just, I don't think it ever felt like home. I don't think he's been fighting in a cage and sure he fought, he's trained in a ring, fought in a ring, but it's, it's just different. It's different fighting over there. I've, I've worked over there for, for one, you know, doing, uh, uh, cage side commentary for them. He is, it, 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 sometimes when you go there, you've got to make it feel like home, but if you're not there often enough, which, it, it's harder. They don't have a lot of shows. Maybe now they will. They're on Amazon Prime. But if you're coming from the States or you're coming from Canada or you're coming from, you know, Brazil, Mexico, whatever, it's hard if you're not there, if you're not on every single card and they don't have a lot of cards. So it does it never really feels like home. The UFC and Bellator, they're having 30 shows, you know, 24, 30 shows a year. And UFC's having 50 shows a year. It's easy to get, you know, on cards, it's easy to get on these cards and you're fighting every two or three months. Like Dana, Dana said multiple times, I have to offer you three fights a year per your contract. So if you want to fight, you can fight three times a year. Well, you know, Bellator is pretty much the same way. You can fight almost three times a year as long as you're ready to go every time they, they, they give you the call. Same thing with the UFC. One is not always that way. And so for Eddie, if you're only fighting once a year, it's hard to get into a rhythm and become successful. Yeah. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. He is towards the end of his career. He knows that. And where does he go? Does he go to Bellator, you know, to to come back and, and try to get another cash grab? Or does he go back to the UFC and, and try to square up, you know, um, for the Chandler fight, for the Dustin Poirier fight, and... You know, potentially another another Justin Gaethje fight. You know, for to go out on top in terms of those three fights. So there's some fights to be had in there. So those there's some fun fights all the way around. We'll see where he ends up, but I wish him nothing but the best, man. He's one of my favorite favorite fighters of all time. So one of my all time favorite fighters. Next, um, Floyd Mayweather comes out and says that um, next year he um, plans to box McGregor again, but McGregor said that it's nonsense. Um, but you know, of course, and now, so now there is a little bit of an exchange on online. But um, you know, McGregor saying he never made a million dollars a minute in Rising, and um, 
so it's funny to see it reignited um, mm. and then Floyd saying that it's going to happen. What do you think about a second fight for these guys? Um, now, we were just talking about money grabs, cash grabs. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a cash grab by both these guys. Um, they, they, they both they're both at, they're both at the end of their time. They're both trying to make as much money as they possibly can. Uh, I have no interest in seeing this fight. I mean, maybe 1%, maybe 2%. But, and I would say actually probably less than 1% of interest to watch this fight. Now, will I watch it? Yeah. But I have really no interest in watching it. I don't think Conor McGregor is not the same fighter he was when they fought the first time. And Floyd Mayweather is not the same fighter they, that they that he was when they fought the first time. Um, <clears throat> This is not... Floyd is still the better boxer. Um, Floyd, I believe he had a tweet came out or he had, he had, a, he had a, a, he did an interview and he was talking about the fact that Connor is, he doesn't hit hard. There's no danger there. He's too slow. All of these things. And so when he said that, I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't see anywhere that Connor McGregor can, can win this fight. That he's not faster than him. He doesn't hit harder than him. Doesn't have the pedigree in boxing that Floyd Mayweather has. So Floyd still training. Floyd flight. I think Floyd's fighting in Ryzen still this uh, New Year's. Is it this New Year's or coming up or something like that? And so he's going to come out. He's going to make a ton of money there. Probably six to nine million somewhere in there. Take that fight and make it. He's going to take this Conor McGregor fight. Conor's going to take it. He's not foolish. Like you don't have a lot of these big time money fights lined up, buddy. They're not 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 in MMA. So I don't know, man. I, I think this is a big time cash grab, but I have zero interest in watching this fight. We'll see what happens. All right, uh, Hamza. My question. Is, I guess my next right. question. I wonder if it's going to happen on Showtime because the first one happened. Like, it was like a co promotion for them. Yeah. I wonder where this one's going to happen. I guess we'll McGregor. see. McGregor, Floyd, their own promotion, setup, whatever it is. But and will the UFC be involved? That's the other thing. So, all right, next. Hamza officially moves to middleweight. And <laughs> at least it appears that way. Um, <laughs> he posts with a oh, 185 man. and yeah. the punch thing and the bang emoji. <laughs> it's funny. Nate he has replied. Duh, I retired you from 178, dumb fuck. <laughs> I mean, look, we can talk about, everyone was like, oh, Nate would have, Chamayev would have ragdolled him, blah, blah, blah. Look, you can't make the weight. Nine, you're, you're eight and a half pounds over. Seven and a half because you get the pound allowance. You're you're going to, you should have a, a significant uh, uh, upper hand on somebody when when you're seven, eight and a half pounds over. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. You were the more you're the younger fighter. You're the more explode. Let's let, let let me repeat that. He is the younger fighter. Nate is thirty seven years old. He should be able to beat Nate. Nate's never fared well against wrestlers ever in his career. Neither did his brother. Never fared well against him. Now, Chamayev's got the better, you know, I wouldn't say even, I don't think he's got the better striking, but he is faster. He is more explosive, probably has bigger power. 
I don't know. I, it's, I think him going to 185 is what's best for his career. Now at 185, everyone thinks that he's going to be dominant. I don't think he's going to be dominant. I don't think he's going to be dominant at all. I think he's going to have some hard fights there. Guys are going to drag him into that third and fourth and fifth round in those title fights. <clears throat> or not title fights, but in those main events. Because that's where he's going to be. He's going to be in the main event. And when he's in that main event, he's going to have to fight hard. He's going to have to fight smart. I got murdered for talking about his fight IQ. His fight IQ is less prevalent at 170. He doesn't need to utilize it as much because he's such a dominant wrestler. And he's a good, he's a great fighter. And I got criticized for all this stuff. He is a good fighter. There is no doubt about it. I think he's a fantastic fighter. And I think if he could make the weight at 170, I think he'd have an easier run getting to the title. I think he could potentially win that title. At 185, there's a conversation to be had whether he will be champion there. I, I, I'm not going to just lay it down and say, oh, yeah, he can be champion there. No, I'm not going to do that. I think there's fights there. That are Paul Paul Costa interests me a lot because he's got Paul Costa's got power. Paul Costa does kind of wither a little bit in the cardio because he cuts a lot of weight. He can stuff takedowns as we saw against Rockhold, against Yoel Romero, against all. He can stuff the takedowns. He can make Chamayev work for the takedowns to where he gets tired. There's a lot to be had there. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of ways that Paul Costa can beat Chamayev. Chamayev. If he can get him down, can threaten those submissions, I give the submission advantage and the wrestling advantage to Chemayev. But can he make it look easy in getting those takedowns round after round as the fight goes on? And on the feet, will Paulo Costa be able to outstrike him? Chemayev is a good fighter, fantastic fighter. I'm going to give the nod a tiny bit to Chemayev on being the more well-rounded fighter. I'm going to give him the nod on winning the fight. But it is a close fight. There's a lot of... I, if I look at the other... What other fighters are in the 185-pound division? Dave. You've got... Who else you got there? Cannoneer. You've got Costa. You've got... Who else is up in that mix? Derek Brunson. Uh, Pahea. I, th I, think, I think he beats Alex Pahea. Marvin Vittori. Um... The Vittori fight kind of interests me because Vittori doesn't slow down. He keeps coming forward. He keeps pushing the pace. I mean, for me, the true test will be Robert Whitaker. That's, that, to me, is going to be the true test. I want to see him fight Paulo Costa. Get into that mix. Have him fight Sean Strickland. There's another, there's another guy. Sean Strickland. Have him fight Sean Strickland. There's a guy right there for you. Either Sean Strickland, I think the fight to make would be Paul Acosta since they're talking trash to each other. Then you go to, you go right from there, you go to the Vittori. Then after Vittori, you know, you probably have him skip Whitaker because there's a good chance. I think Whitaker is just all around, um, too many weapons, man. And I could be wrong. I think it, it, if we see him fight Paul Acosta and has a great performance, if we see him fight Marvin Vittori with, has a great performance, you probably skip Whitaker and go right to whoever's the champ at the time, you know, whether it's Pahea or whether it's Izzy. Let's see. But Robert Whitaker is probably the guy you try to keep him away from. I think Robert Whitaker's is he's, he's someone that's going to really push him. Uh, unless you want to not have him fight any of the other guys and have him take him right to Robert Whitaker. If he gets past Whitaker, he fights the winner of Alex Pahea and Izzy. I mean, you can have him do that. That sounds like a fun, that sounds good to me. 
I think they'd be losing out though because they've already got the whole marketing tool of them talking trash to each other, them going back and forth on, on social media. You've got that. You've got them and Paulo Costa. So you've got Chamayev and Costa doing that back and forth that makes sense. If you're a matchmaker, it should be an easy fight for you to match. Maybe you go right to Paulo Costa and then you know, if, he, if he wins that fight, you skip Vittori and go right to Whitaker. So he is an needle mover. Chamayev is somebody that is now taking the place you know, of the Nate Diaz and the Habib and the, you know, and the Conor McGregor. He's the next needle mover. And since he's a needle mover, you've got to, you got to streamline him, streamline him as fast as you possibly can to a title shot. Cause stylistically against Izzy and against, uh, and against Pahea, th- those two guys, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're easy fights for him, but in the wrestling aspect of it all, you couldn't ask for an easier fight for them for him to have potential of winning that fight by getting the takedowns over and over with the with the submission threat. He's fantastic on the ground when it comes to submissions. The darts, the anacondas, the guillotines, the top pressure, the ground and pound, all of those things cause huge problems. They will cause huge problems for Izzy and for Alex Bahia. So if you want to streamline them right away, you could skip Costa, go right to Whitaker, and Whitaker, and the, if he beats Whitaker, he goes right to the, whoever fights for the title next. If you want to do that. But Robert Whitaker has a case that if Pahea beats Izzy, that he should be next in line for a title shot. He's got a case. So if you want to put Chamayev and him in there and say, hey, if Pahea wins, you know, or if Izzy wins, then Whitaker, or I mean, uh, Chamayev gets to win, or Chamayev gets to fight. If Pahea wins, Whitaker gets to fight. I mean, there's, there's different ways you can go about it. But I, I, I would say that I would like to see Costa and, and Chamaya fight. And that'll give us enough time to see if Pahea beats Izzy. Then you can have Robert Whitaker fight Pahea. And then you can have Chamayev fight Izzy to see if he gets the next title shot after that. Cause you've got in that mix, you've got, you know, you've got other guys that are in there, but they've all kind of all, all fought Izzy already. They're all going to be streamlining to see who fights uh, the winner of if Pahea wins. But Chamayev's going to shake it up. He's going to shake it up a lot in the 185-pound division, but it's not going to be an easy road for him to that title shot. You know, those guys are dangerous. Next. All right. Um, can I, in the same breath as Nate Diaz, how's <laughs> that thing? Nate's also going, uh, making comments towards DC. So DC hit uh, on his ESPN show. Um, you know, he was showing for uh, Hamzat. Said, Nate Diaz, it was perfect. Uh, can you imagine Nate fighting Hamzat? Could you imagine if that happened? Nate Diaz not fighting Hamzat was a gift from God. Like, that is lit- literally the best case scenario for him. I will sit here and say this without a shadow of a doubt. He was going to lose to Hamzat, and he was going to lose badly. As much as Nate dismisses the guy, he just doesn't have a skill set to stop the guy from doing what he does. So, Nate is on... Um, Nate on Twitter and posts a picture of DC crying and writes, Respect your OG, you fat motherfucker. And uh, DC replies to that saying, Relax, Nathan. <laughs> um, look, DC is going to do what DC does. He's going to basically, he's going to shill for the guys that are still in the UFC. You go back and you watch, you go back in. And you do, you basically read the interviews or you watch the interviews or whatever. All the guys that work for the commentary team, they're going to say 
that that was going to be a great fight. It was a fun fight. It was going to be a great fight. Nate Diaz with a chance to fight Chemaev. Chemaev, the chance to fight a legend like Nate Diaz. But after the fact, it was like, oh, Chemaev would have just walked through him. Dana White came out and said, man, I went back and watched it. I saw how good Chemaev looked. I saw how Nate looked. He's like, oh, it would have been, Chemaev would have murdered him. You knew that going into making the match. That's why you made that match. And Nate just didn't care. And it backfired. But to go on with what DC said, we can all sit here and speculate, but we don't know. I can't say, I can't say 100%. I can't even say 80% that, that Chemaev would have walked through Nate Diaz. Because if you go back and watch the Conor McGregor fight, Conor McGregor was walking through him too until he got tired. And that amount of weight that Chemaev has to lose, would he have been the same fighter in the, in the fourth and fifth and, you know, fourth and fifth round? We don't know. Would he have put his head in the wrong position? And Nate wrapped that long, skinny arm around his neck and finished him. We don't know. You guys, this is why we fight the fights. Everyone said that Nate was going to get mopped by Connor. He was losing the first round, came out and got the, got the finish. Came out and got the finish in their first fight. Like, you can't underestimate Nate Diaz. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he would have lost. We can all sit here and look, Chemaev has the wrestling. He's, you know, Nate's never fared. I just sat on here and said the Diaz brothers have never fared well against wrestlers, ever. And Chemaev has probably the speed over Nate. Chemaev probably has the power over Nate. I wouldn't give him the cardio. I mean, he didn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he has good cardio, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's Nate Diaz level cardio. And so when I'm having it, like when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at this fight, sure, it all favors Chemaev. Absolutely. But I'm not going to sit up here and say 100% that Nate Diaz would have lost that fight. There's no way. You're not going to, you're not going to hear those words come out of my mouth. Do I think that Chemaev was favored? Absolutely. Big time. Big time favored. All those, all the tools and weapons he had? Absolutely. But Nate Diaz has shown over the almost two decades of him fighting that he's a dog, man. He will be there in the fourth and the fifth round. He will be there. Last Leon Edwards. He'll be there in the fifth. He will be there at any moment of the fight. You never know when he's going to put it on. You never know when he's going to touch you on the chin. You never know. And everyone will say he doesn't have power. He has power. He's got he's got the reach. He's got the range. He he tricks you with the slap and then the shot. Like he does all these weird awkward things. And he's quick on the guillotine. I did a grappling match against him. He almost caught me in that guillotine two or three times. And that was years before I fought him in the cage. Then I fought him and I knew that I'd, I'm glad I did the grappling match because I understood where I needed to be with him, you know, on the ground, out of his guillotine, not with my head down by his chest. So, I mean, there, I'm not going to sit here and say that he doesn't have it. He wouldn't have had a chance. It wasn't looking, wasn't going to look good for him, but he's, I think he had a chance. He proved that against the Connor in Connor. And I know Chamayev's a different animal than Connor McGregor, but you know, Connor, Chemaev didn't make weight, so there's no reason to have this conversation. 
he was so far off. It was almost, and it was like, oh, well, because the doctor told him, you guys, I've never, ever, Big John sat up here and said the same thing. Doctors don't come in the day before and go, yeah, you should stop. Because if doctors had any say in what you making weight, they'd tell you not to cut weight. And, and so for that all to happen, sure, maybe he was depleted, maybe all those things. Did he go to the ER? Did he, did they take him in an ambulance? Like all those things. I mean, the, the doctor saying stop. Who was the doctor? The UFC doctor? I don't think the UFC doctor would have said that. I would have said, you know what? You know, you're okay. Like, yeah, if it's up to you, you know, if you feel like you can do it, do it. I've had these conversations. I've been around when these conversations have been had with the doctors. You're, you're a big man. You're an adult. You make your decisions. You want to fight or do you not? Can you make the weight? Can you keep going? So the conversation is a moot point. I think that, um, it did favor Chemayev, but it never happened. Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is going to talk shit to everybody. You don't give a shit who you are. Look at the video of him talking shit to Brendan Schaub when they got in and, and they were just back and forth in person. If DC was standing there in front of Nate, he would have said the same thing to his face. That's what, that's what people love about these guys. They don't give a shit. They'll say it to your face. They'll say it in a crowd. They'll say it by themselves. They don't give a shit. They'll say it. And they'll, and they'll, they'll, they'll go ahead and throw it out too. Whether win or lose, they'll do it. So, hey. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens for Chamayev at 185. I think that's the place where he needs to stay. I don't think he should be making the way he cut to 70. I don't think it's... Because you can't get there and then all of a sudden you can't make the actual championship weight. It'd be bad for the UFC. So we'll see him at 85. We'll see what he can do. Next. All right, we'll wrap up on this one and we'll get away from all the talk of these guys. Um Coker, uh, again, talking about fights, um, saying he's tried to make Anderson Silva versus Fedor, um, and he's hoping to actually make it happen now. Um, so, you know, what do you think about, you know, Silva getting into this Jake Paul fight and then coming back to MMA and, and doing the doing the Fedor fight? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I, I've, I love Fedor Milenko. I love what he's done for the sport, but it's it's just time. It's time to hang it up. I mean, I I thought he I thought for sure he was going to lose to Tim Johnson. He came out had great combination, landed some big shots, got the knockout. I just he he has power. Power is the last thing for him. The last thing that's going to go. He's still at speed, which is fucking crazy to me, being the age he is. Okay, but his chin, his chin is gone. And you can say the same thing about Anderson Silva. His chin's not the greatest either anymore. I, I just, I have no desire. I, I don't know. I want to see Fedor right off into the sunset now. Just go. That's it. As much as I love, love him. I love him as a person too. He's so nice. Phenomenal person. Great guy. Um, I just, he's done so much for the sport. He's been fantastic. He's fought the who's who. He's fought everyone. He's fought big, tall, enormous guys. He's not a big guy. If he was to nutrition, diet and nutrition a little bit, like for a week, he'd probably make 205. He's not a big guy. You know, he's got huge wins over big name guys. He is a big name, huge name. You think Fedor cuts to 205? He could if he wanted to. He's a short guy. He's like barely six foot. Six. He's, he's not big. 
It's not. It's not even. It's, Dave, I could. I could. Let me see if I can find this picture real quick. I'll send it to you. All right. You put me and him next to each other. I'm pretty much about the same. Let me see if I can find this. Find this Fedor Milenko photo, people. I mean, I wonder if it would be if they do it till five or because because Silva going up to heavyweight. I mean, that'd be that'd be a little ridiculous to expect them to be able to compete well at heavyweight. Well, it's, even just and even just at two twenty five. I mean, what do you think Fedor walks around at? Uh, probably two twenty eight. That's it. I you mean, think so? yeah. No, no. Do I think so? I, I know so. I know he does. Wow. That's the thing. He's not. He's not a big guy, man. Let me see here. Go all the way down. Because I mean, end. if that's the case, like he was, you know, Dana said he had offered him the Lesnar fight back in the day, and Lesnar's, Lesnar's like, way bigger than him. Like it's not even fight. close. Yeah, dude, D- Dave. It's not. It's not, bro. It's not even close. Hold hmm. on. I can't. Let me see. I don't know if. Uh... Yeah. It, it. It. You. You would even. You'd be shocked. You would be so shocked to see you're like, oh my god, he's that small. I'm like, yeah, no, no, he's that small. Hmm. Yeah, he's not. He's not a big guy. Yeah, yeah, I can't find it right now. But he's he's just. Let me see. Here we go. We got this fight here. Damn you! Damn Is that you. picture you took with him? I went one of the events. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he he's not he's not a big guy, dude. This guy, he's he's so small. I, I wanna. Anyways, um, yeah, I can't find it right now, but he's uh, he's not a, he's not a big guy. He's he walks around. I mean, I think I remember at one time. I think he weighed in at like two twenty eight, two, and it was I think it was when he fought Bigfoot Silva. I think he weighed in at two twenty eight or two twenty nine. He's not a big guy. That's why Bigfoot Silva was huge compared to him, and that was he always had a hard time. He, he was he was able to outspeed people and do those things. Um, but. Him and Anderson, I mean, Anderson's probably walking around, I'd say, 210. Maybe two, maybe maybe 220 at the most. But I would say probably 210, 215, somewhere in there, Anderson Silva is. I, I don't know, man. It's I look at that, I look at him, and I'm like, damn. You know, these, uh, he, him and Anderson, if you're going to match him up, I'm okay with that matchup only because on the feet, Anderson's got Anderson. I think is the obviously the better technician when it comes to the fighting on the feet. But if I'm to uh, if I'm to say like on the ground for sure, the wrestling for sure, it's going to be Fedor. Submissions for sure going to be Fedor. Um, it makes for fun. It makes for some fun action. There's a conversation to be had there. Yeah, I, don't, I can't find it. But he, he look, he's not a big guy. That's the the bottom line is he's not a big guy, and I would love to see. I would love to see Fedor right off in the sunset. But if you're gonna match him up against anyone, match him up against Anderson. Hmm. I, I, they're both older. That's all I want to see. I don't want to see him fighting these guys. There was talk he was gonna fight Ryan Bader again. I'm like, why? I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't want to see it. You know, um, Bader's he's not young either. He's 38, I think, pushing 39. So I don't know. I don't have any interest in in, in watching that fight. All right, guys. Hey, that's going to wrap up our show. Hopefully, Big John gets home safely so you guys don't have to suffer through me again by myself. Um, we will be in Long Beach next week. Uh, Bellator is next Saturday night. You got Patricio Pitbull on that card. And um, who else? Oh, Aaron Pico is also fighting on that card. You got AJ McKee on that card. 
Should be fun. Patricio Pitbull is fighting Adam Boric. Patricio's got the better wrestling. Adam Boric has got the better technical stand-up. But the power is going to go to Patricio. It's going to be a good fight, man. Good fight. The reach and the range, the knees up the middle, all of those things, Patricio's got to be very careful for. Um, AJ McKee fighting uh, Spike Carlisle. That should be a fun fight. AJ making his... Um, is it debut? I think it's debut at 155. So he's fighting at 155. And we're going to see. We're going to see where this leads. He says he's staying at 155. And he'll make that run for the lightweight. Probably in the lightweight World Grand Prix next next year. <clears throat> if that all happens. And then Aaron Pico. Also on that card. Excited for that. Go to WayneInPodcast.com. Pick up some of our merch. And uh, hopefully you guys can um, uh, pick up some. We've got a coffee mug. We've got hoodies. We've got it all. So check it all out. Big John, safe travels. Hopefully you get home safe. And um, Dave, anything else? That's going to wrap us. That's going to wrap us. And as John would say, since he is not here, I will say it for him. Be kind. Be nice. Be all those things. And be be that person in the comment section. All right? Because I read them. And that's where we need you guys to be nice, be kind. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Thank you from the Wayne and Podcast. Podcast Dave and I are out.